station. We're actually under the free comedy section. My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as movies over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vinyl, records, round, played, mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scott Walker. Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor.
I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Hey, comedy fans, don't miss Comedy Day Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams Meadow in Golden Gate Park, noon till 5. It's free! You'll see 44 or more comedians. 44 comedians, 5 hours. That's over 8.5 comedians an hour. That's silly. Ever see a half a comedian? Yes, a half wit. Not funny, but Comedy Day will be a guaranteed laugh a minute. Let's see, a laugh a minute times 5 hours. That's 300 jokes. That's a lot of jokes, folks. <laughs> So why are these people laughing? I don't know. Maybe because they know Comedy Day will be better than the shoelaces of Madagascar exhibit. Better than the paperweight wares of the world convention. Better even than the alien sheep herding contest. And speaking of herding, heard any good ones lately? Okay, not funny again, but Comedy Day will be. Don't miss punchlines like these. A frog in a blender. In your hat. To keep his pants up. Comedy Day is worth the price of a mission because it's free. Nothing to buy. No operators waiting for your call. Void. We're prohibited by law. Comedy Day. Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams. Williams Meadow in Golden Gate Park. It's free. Visit ComedyDay.org for complete details. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event. Now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Four nine nine. 
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up a excellent mix of jazz latin gospel hip-hop and traditional folk ballads great stuff check it out labor and love is every saturday 10 a.m to 12 p.m serve somebody out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off, for <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. 
but we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) What could it be? It's exactly what you think it is. Flat. Black. Plastic. Vinyl. Records. Round. Played. Mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scott Walker. Amazing artist. Music DJ. Vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. My name is Breakfast. And I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things, and invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. Hey, comedy fans, don't miss Comedy Day Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams Meadow in Golden Gate Park, noon till 5. It's free. You'll see 44 or more comedians. 44 comedians, five hours. That's over eight and a half comedians an hour. That's silly. Ever see a half a comedian? Yes, a half wit. Not funny, but Comedy Day will be a guaranteed laugh a minute. Let's see, a laugh a minute times five hours. That's 300 jokes. That's a lot of jokes, folks. (laughs) So why 
are these people laughing? I don't know. Maybe because they know Comedy Day will be better than the shoelaces of Madagascar exhibit. Better than the paperweight wares of the world convention. Better even than the alien sheep herding contest. And speaking of herding, heard any good ones lately? Okay, not funny again, but Comedy Day will be. Don't miss punchlines like these. A frog in a blender. In your hat. To keep his pants up. Comedy Day is worth the price of a mission because it's free. Nothing to buy. No operators waiting for your call. Void. We're prohibited by law. Comedy Day. Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams Meadow in Golden Gate Park. It's free. Visit ComedyDay.org for complete details. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event. Now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs>
Welcome to Women's Magazine here. I'm Global Val. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. We're here in the Mission District of San Francisco. And today is Friday, September 14th. It's a beautiful September day in San Francisco. Our late summer has finally bloomed and uh, everybody loves that. So grateful to be here. I'm grateful to have a, a really interesting, fun guest here this afternoon. I'm talking with Tyra Fennell, who's, yep. who is the CEO of Imprint City, uh, which is a, a local nonprofit um, focused in the Bayview neighborhood, uh, working with the city and um, and the whole community down there in the Bayview, uh, focusing on urban arts and events. So thanks so much for being my guest here today on Women's Magazine. Oh, thanks for having me. So tell, tell us a little bit about Imprint City. How did, how did that come up? What, what, what are some of the things that Imprint City does and how did it come about? Yeah, so ultimately our mission is to identify spaces um, in cities that are underutilized, have a struggling local economy, maybe they have an attrition in their businesses, and we come in there, we conceptualize art, visual or performing, that will activate the area, bring about people, um, do a little tactical urbanism, meaning like some streetscaping and things like that to make the area more welcoming. And how did you, uh, and we'll get more into some of the really cool things that Imprint City does and is affiliated with, but um, what, what's your background with the arts? Because I know that you do a lot of work here in San Francisco. Yeah. You you helped uh, develop projects with San Francisco Arts Commission. So uh, how, how did you come to, to join the art world? Um, well, actually, when I was, my parents are uh, great arts patrons. My father specifically was really into jazz, but like fusion. So really like Bitches Brew, Miles Davis, John Zorn, anything post-70s, uh, John Coltrane own that era and so one when I was like five years old they took me to the Kennedy Center I'm from DC and I saw Chrono string quartet and they had a female cellist and she kind of looked like Annie Lennox her name was Jean and uh I just remember they played Purple Haze, so it was neoclassical, and I was just amazed at, like, I didn't understand it. It was so cool, and uh, the next week, my mom took me to the youth orchestra, and I 
initially wanted to play saxophone, even though that's not an orchestra instrument. But I got to youth orchestra, and I was so inspired by that performance. I just remember thinking, I want to play cello. So my first instrument is actually the cello. And six years old, which is when I entered the youth orchestra, is kind of young, but because I'm, I was always tall, um, they allowed me to start pretty young. So I did that for about 14 years. I was ended up being principal cellist with the DC Youth Orchestra. And then I got into Duke Ellington School of the Arts um, for literary arts. Um, I thought I wanted to be a journalist. Uh, and uh, somewhere halfway through my high school years, I was like, I had a girl group called Chase of Ebony that was really bad but um, we were rehearsing in the hallway for some cabaret gig and the choir director said you know you should be in the music department and I kind of given up cello because arts high school life is very rigorous you're in school all, all the time um, and he, so they created a double major for me in writing and music which kind of followed me throughout my career as a practicing artist I went on to the new school university Manor School of Music where I was jazz composition major and I ended up living in Europe where I actually was a songwriter and so those are the kind that kind of like codifies the years of me as a working artist. Um, and then we can like transition to like my produ- my producer side, I guess. That's really that's a really fascinating background in the arts. Um, how about what brought you to San Francisco? Yeah. So when I was in Europe, I was largely I really like intense music, any genre. I mean, I like, you know, Hurt which is more like heavy metal rock. I like anything intense. I like drum and bass. I like trance. I like hip hop, but really like intense, like (laughs) Tadashi 6ix9ine, Onyx, if you're OG. Um, And when I was working in New York, um, before I moved to Europe, I was, because I was a jazz composition major, I was doing a a lot of jazz gigs, standards and I was bored can I curse or is that yeah. oh, I was bored speech. out of my fucking mind you do the <laughs> same songs you do like little scatting and everything and I was like this is boring yeah. and so at the time I was working at a record label um Sony actually and uh we had at the time uh Wu-Tang and some of those OG hip-hop artists and there was this producer from London named Adam F drum and bass producer and he was doing a hybrid album with some of our art, hip hop artists, drum and bass, hip hop hybrid. And, um, long story short, he came to New York to meet with some of the artists. I met him and I thought at that point, I thought everybody was black by default. Cause I'm from DC. Um, but he wasn't, he was like white, blonde, blue eyes. And it was like shocking. Then he had the accent. I was just totally tripped out. I was like, Oh God, who is this? And he introduced me to drum and bass and EDM, which I know a lot of people are, that's, you know, don't like to call it electronic dance, dance music. music. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. I love everything about EDM music, everything, still to this day. And so he said, well, if you want to get into writing EDM music, you got to move to Europe. And so when the label I was working on, it was actually called Loud. It was a subsidiary of Columbia, which is Sony. They folded. I took my uh, severance and I just moved to London. And that started my career uh, as a singer-songwriter. And I had some good years, but... I didn't feel I had it like at a certain point you got to do life inventory and say to yourself like okay am I going to go all the way with this or I'm going to end up a 40 year old lounge singer um I don't want to do that because I like to eat so I decided um yeah but you're really really good at business I was really I was natural at it I loved it I didn't love performing all the time and I feel like if you're a true artist you perform right and so I decided to come back to the U.S. uh, get a master's degree I didn't really know how I was going to 
dovetail all my work as an artist into a quote unquote day job. So I decided to go to grad school and I was like, okay, let me just follow in my family footsteps and go to Howard University. And I studied ed policy because for some strange reason I thought I'd have a future in arts education policy. I don't even think that totally exists. Um, And so when I graduated, I was like, okay, better find a job. And I just kind of assessed where in the country you can make a living as an arts producer and artist. And San Francisco ended up on the short list. And I applied for a few positions here, the San Francisco Arts Commission being one of them. And I got it. So that brought me to San Francisco, and I'm just going to stop there. Uh, that's how I kind of transitioned from performing artists in front of house artists to kind of behind the scenes. And what were you doing with the San Francisco Arts Commission? So the job was actually arts education program manager, which according to my career like vision, that was kind of a perfect landing strip. Um, it paid decent. I was in the government, good city job, you know, it makes my parents happy. But what I found was the the job budget largely went to my salary and nothing else. So I just kind of found myself being pushed at different arts education meetings with no there there. I really just felt like I was wasting space. And it was really depressing because I was like, okay, I got this job with the right title and everything. What next? Mm. Um, At the time at the Arts Commission, there was this guy there named Luis Cancel. And I say Luis, I can say his name because even though he didn't work out for San Francisco, he worked out for me. I really, I really got along well with him. I think because he was from the Bronx, he was Puerto Rican, and I just, you know, I'm black. I'm from the East Coast too. Culturally, I really got him in a way that I don't think San Francisco energy did. He was very, very intense and just all the stereotypes of a, somebody from the Bronx, New York is. Um, he let me do my thing, and he wasn't interested in arts education. He was interested in sensationalism. So he wanted me to produce big events for the city, the Mayor's Art Awards, and he wanted Carlos Santana and this and that, and that is when I found my sweet spot. Mm. Um, when he ultimately left the Arts Commission and they decided to restructure it to like grant-making and policy and public art, no direct service, I was like, okay, you got to get out. Um and that's when I just I was like, okay, what I'll do? I start applying for jobs, art coordinator at this nonprofit, that nonprofit, and it just didn't feel it didn't feel like it was worthy of all of my experience in the arts. Um, and also the pay sucked. And I remember walking home from the Embarcadero to Bayview, and I was on the phone with my mom, and I was crying because I was like, I didn't know what I was going to do next. And she said you're an entrepreneur the arts commission is really the outlier so you need to stop tap dancing for these people these job interviews and tap dance for yourself and start a business Mm. and so that inspired the idea of imprint city wasn't called that at the time we were going to call like art up san francisco or something and um long story short a, a muralist i commissioned while i was at with the city um learned in my vision for the Bayview specifically um, and being a African-American cultural district and all the things I had in mind for it. And he introduced me to this philanthropist that was opening a business in Bayview, um, Laughing Monk Brewing. Mm-hmm. And we sat down at Auntie April's Chicken and Waffles one day and I just told him, this needs to be an African-American cultural district, but we need to have splash moments. Like we need like big hip hop artists coming through and anybody that comes to town, they need to come to Auntie April's. That needs to be a thing. And and he said, well, how are you planning on doing that? I said, well, I can. I have a sole proprietorship. I mean, I didn't know. And he said, well, I don't think you can raise money that way. I think you're going to need a nonprofit. And I knew what a nonprofit was, but I had no idea, like, how to start doing that. And so he said, well, look, I'll just give you the money to hire an attorney to get incorporated, and you're on your own. 
And that's how Imprint got started. It was me and Andrew and the artist that introduced us and my friend Lisa, or friend, she works with us now. She's our operations manager. Um, We sat at his house and we were brainstorming names, brainstorming the mission. And so that's how Imprint City came about. Wow. I, I lo- I, what a great story that is. <laughs> it really is because, um, you know, I, I think, especially here at Mutiny Radio, we have so many artists who come here. It's pretty much like a place for independent artists to get their voices heard, their music, their poetry. Their, there's a lot of comedy shows that happen here, too. Um, but, uh, you know, th- it's inspiring because if you have a vision, you have an idea, and then to actually connect with the, with the right people who can help you, like, along your path. Yes. Um, so, Imprint City, how long has it been around? It's been around since 2015. So, we, we are, we're, we're, we're moving out of the foundation stage or the startup stage into sort of the foundation stage. This is my professional coach tells me. So, yeah, we're off and running. We started in 2015 with, like, just that seed money. And nothing else I had. um, So for my first phase career and a lot of artists and people just in their careers, period, to take note of this, I wrote a few hit songs and I got some windfall royalty royalty checks that I really never spent. I still have that money, but it basically what it did was it provided me a little cushion for kind of giving me a six month runway. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've been we've been doing okay. I, I haven't had to take like a temp job or drive for Uber. So we've been doing okay and we've been building I feel rather quickly um, and hyper focused on the Bayview but our plan is to be in the Bayview like really really focused for five to eight years Mm -hmm. get the momentum going there and then look for other um, cities that have a similar issue um, like Detroit DC has Ivy City though I suspect in a few years it won't be that way Um, and basically replicate some of the uh, best practices we've learned from our work in the Bayview so what kind of benefits would it be would it mean for the Bayview or I guess any applied to any other city but specifically here in San Francisco um, because we have like the Latino cultural district um, what, what would it what would it mean for for that district of the city that neighborhood to get designated as African American cultural district yeah well first of all my initial when I started when I learned about Bayview um, coming from DC I was very uh, I, I bought into the hype. You know, before I even went to the Bayview, people had scared me to death, okay? Um, So when we went as the Arts Commission, uh, everyone went in with, they were nervous, right? And this is really odd because I'm a black person. You know, why why would I be nervous of my own people? And it it made me feel really bad in in hindsight that I even had that instinct. But my thought was, if I had that instinct, and I'm from D.C., black through and through, how is the average person feeling about Bayview, not only from the outside, but also people that live there? How comfortable do they feel coming out in their neighborhood, going to restaurants, going to a community event? Are there community events? Mm. And when I was with the city, I just found like there, there, weren't, there wasn't that much love given to the Bayview around the arts. So what the cultural district does, first of all, is it gives the Bayview a clear brand identity. We are African-American cultural district. If you're a tourist coming in and you want some great African-American art, you go. You know you have to go to the Bayview in the same way when you go to New York. You know you're going to Harlem if that's what you want. Um, and also the uh, people in Bayview that have had have gone through war in that community that may be a little nervous to send their teenagers out to an event or go out to an event or um, a restaurant themselves. Um, they start warming up to it by some familiar names that are still in keeping with the culture, but kind of make people feel like, wait a minute. 
W. Kamal Bell is doing his podcast at the Opera House. Oh, I, I, I can go out for that. Or wait a minute, Van Jones is giving a talk at Laughing Monk. Okay, I can go. And it starts making people feel more comfortable uh, reengaging your neighborhood, which of course bolsters the local economy. Um, so that's our ultimate mission. That's our ultimate goal to work with community stakeholders and get it so fluid that people just know Bayview is a go to for black arts and culture. What a vision. Uh, that's that's thinking outside the box, but it then also when you say it, it just makes so much sense. So um, Imprint City. So you're doing a lot of work in a lot of different events. Um, you've got tell us about some of some of the different you know branches within Imprint City. I know that you've got Bay, the Bayview Live Festival, mm-hmm. uh, Third on Third, which is on, down on Third Street on Third Fridays. Uh, you've got Spray View. Like yeah. you, you involve a lot of the youth as well. Yes. So what are some of the different things that that Imprint City works on, and then how does it all come together? So um, just to address the youth uh, factor, we try to write into all of our grants as an allocated on budget stipends for youth to either work our events, be apprentices to the artists during the spray painting process, um, or or uh, we have workshops, art workshops. We've partnered with Thursday Youth Clinic. We've partnered with the YMCA. We've partnered with the Mural Music and Art Project to bring professional artists of color into these spaces where youth can learn about the art and also see themselves in the artists. So that's that's a through line in all of our ap- applications. Um, what I also try to do when I started working in Bayview is to assess all the different demographics in the community, all the different arts inventory in the community. So there are different pockets. Uh, there's a Gen X's and above. I call them the grown and sexy crowd. That's like the KBLX Fox Theater audience. That honestly is probably the majority of uh, the black community in the Bayview. People that work for Muni, the PUC, that come home, middle class people, right? Um, then we have the burners, because there's a burner community in Bayview. Um, when they do their pre-compression of fundraisers, they were doing it in the mission at Public Works, and they weren't really doing things in the Bayview just because they didn't really have an uh, inroad. So that was that population. Then you have the millennials, the black and brown millennials, which are the toughest. So what I had to figure out, and then you have the seniors, right? So I had to figure out, okay, what can I create to engage each branch that lives in the Bayview. Um, and people are like, oh, what about the white people in the Bayview? What about the new people in the Bayview? Quote, unquote, gentrifiers. But I don't want to use that title because it's loaded for a number of reasons. Um, well, I feel like black art, everyone loves black art. They're going to come, right? But I have to be very intentional about who my core focus is. Because if you market to everyone, you market to no one. So we created the Southside Festival, which happens around April. And the goal of that is to activate merchant space, indoor space with indie bands. So we'll go to like New Parish, we'll go to Independent, and we'll scout bands like Soul Development, Zion I, um, Zia Mora, and, um, you know, kind of up and coming acts that could pull maybe 100, 200 people for that festival. Millennials, right? Um, And then we have Bayview Spark, which is a partnership with the Sextant Camp, does Tesla Coils and the Flaming Lotus Girls who are at the box shop in Bayview for over 10 years. That's a Burning Man collective. And we did Bayview Spark, which brings out the burners. And that's quite an interesting (laughs) combination of people, but it's beautiful. Um, And then we have, of course, our biggest festival, which is Bayview Live. Bayview Live, I will argue, and um, the way you define urban is different. I'm defining in the context of black urban. It's the only festival in San Francisco completely dedicated to urban artists, um, visual and performing. So in other words, you have outside lands that may have future perform the rapper, 
but they also have other types of genres. Bayview Live is going to grow to become the only festival completely dedicate, dedicated to urban music. Um, and that happens in October. We've had um, people like Jadena headline, Neff the Pharaoh, who's Bay Area, Talib Kweli headline last year. This year, we're going to be having the rapper Kamaya, who's Oakland, got love all, all over the Bay, but she's from Oakland. And then uh, Rihanna J, who's a really great singer from the Bay Area. And these artists are basically what I call the Trojan horses for our, our um, up-and-coming artists because they grace the stage before. So as it pertains to this year, which is all-female, uh, we're calling it Hella Chick. We have artists like Lil Kayla from Sunnydale. We have So Vicious from Hunter's Point performing. Uh, we have LaVice, who is also San Francisco band, fronted by Alex Lee, who's awesome. So we basically have these high profile celebrities come in but we we do it as a way to sort of bring people out excite people and then provide a platform to local artists um our staple visual art program this year um um as a part of the spray view initiative is where we bought out all the inventory of billboards on third street and we're going to be repurposing them with art so that's going up October 15th. So in keeping with the model I just described, we have artists like Hank Willis Thomas, very famous African-American artist who's going to lend a billboard. And we have William Scott, who's also very famous, who's from Bayview, now internationally known. Um, he's actually curating a piece with David Byrne from Talking Heads. So those are two really high-profile artists, but right on the tail of them is Malik Seneferu from Hunter's Point, Ron Saunders, who lives in Bayview, an artist named Suhas, who lives in Bayview. So Suhas is actually famous, and some of the other artists, they're not, they're not slumming. But the idea is that how can we bring in people with this name to see and support these names. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so then, so just in a few weeks from now, about a month from now, we're going to see some of those billboards going You're up. You're going to see some of those billboards. So that's going to be, where exactly will people be able to see these? Is it along, is it the billboards third? are going to run on Third Street between Cesar Chavez and Egbert Avenue. And we're dedicating one specific billboard to Bayview Live. And we're going to have So Vicious featured in it, who's, like I said, is from Hunter's Point. That just felt like we could have Kamayo, who's definitely well known but it's just a beautiful symbol to have a young artist from Hunter's view on display in her own neighborhood so you can see her on Egbert Avenue specifically yeah that is that is really powerful that would be very you know when to bring it home right because I, I know and I drive around the city and uh, you know you look at billboards and sometimes I think man I should I should just like get a billboard and like do something with it because I'm tired of looking at these lame ads, right? You know, and and a lot of things that that come in, you're like, I don't even know what that is. You know, what are they talking about? Right. Where is that coming from? Why are you trying to represent San Francisco on that on that billboard? Right. And it means actually nothing. It's totally new. It's kind of strange. So uh, I like that imprint city is going really straight to the heart of it and like bringing it right into the community and elevating it. That's right. So and cool. also keep in mind there, there are two things. First of all, the inspiration for the billboard project actually comes from Hank who we went to high school together. <clears throat> he has a four freedoms campaign that's national. So he's basically leveraging a billboard in every city. Um, and we're doing the San Francisco leg of it. So he actually inspired the idea of repurposing billboards. But I just want to say, like, when you look at brown and black neighborhoods and you look at the advertisements on the billboards, a lot of it's alcohol. Yeah. A lot of it's just negative and toxic for the community. And so why not take that and use it as a platform to show 
young black kids and Latino kids that, you know what, you're also represented in art and beauty and, you know, politics, because we have some very politically slanted billboards that are relevant for the time. So I'm hoping that that resonates. You can see it from the street, from the um, from the freeway. Um, so I'm hoping that has an impact. I'm, I'm sure it will. If anybody's looking, I hope your eyes are open out there, folks. <laughs> it's always a question these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but getting, getting, getting people to notice, because I feel like in San Francisco and kind of like in a more general sense in San Francisco, that the Bayview um, is, you know, it's, it's always like worthy of a mention, but then it doesn't go very far. Right. You know, um, in, in like greater San Francisco conversations. Um, so bringing more visibility to it, um, that there is a, a rich artistic cultural uh, right. aspect to it um, is a really great service to San Francisco. Yeah. And we're hoping that the, the trick and we can talk about this maybe later or at some point is like, how do we how do I make what we're doing in Bayview valid to the dominant culture? Um, how do I get in the art magazines, the art press around Kamaya coming to the baby, which is huge for young black people, young black millennials and youth to see her or to even have someone like a Hank Willis Thomas. Actually, he's quite famous, so he's probably going to help us get some press. But or Malik Seneferu, how do we put those artists in the same spaces as artists you see in public art pieces around the city? That's been a kind of a challenge. How do I make this valid to the dominant um culture um and dominant news and things like that why don't we get babe people covering bayview outside of helicopter stories that's been a challenge as well so some of it's being driven by the media and how they're painting bayview so how do i break through that that's something that has we've been finding to be a challenge and that we're working really hard and the arts commission's actually been um more supportive on helping us sort of link in with those different press entities mm -hmm. and also the supervisor malia cohen um she's very in support of the african-american culture district and so by her with her heft it's also been a great help as well as the community members involved so in a just if in theoretical uh circumstance so if we if if um if it becomes african-american cultural district and it becomes a kind of destination for people to to go to whether they're local or they're visiting from some other country or something mm -hmm. um and it, and it comes into people's minds as a place to go what do you envision for people experiencing when they go there well i want to say like we cali 24 uh i can never say it in spanish i'm really not a linguist but they are extraordinary model for cultural districts. What they have done is basically, it's not only about retaining the culture, Latino culture, but they've also infused things around preserving housing and the aesthetic of the mission into the overall goals of the cultural district. So in the Bayview, we're looking to replicate some of that as it pertains to our neighborhood. And for us, the focus is really black businesses. How do we keep black businesses there and thriving and how do we attract new um, contemporary or robust black businesses to the corridor um, to sort of help craft this whole narrative of African-American culture district that's very important so what once you become designated as a culture district and there are many around the city um, 
there's some uh, legislation coming down the pipeline in November, which will basically um, do a permanent set aside of hotel tax money that was originally allocated for the arts. Right. It will repurpose it back for the arts and make it impossible for the city to cannibalize it for other programs. That money, part of it, not all of it, will go to support the various cultural districts from the Filipino culture district to the African-American to the mission um, to the Latino cultural district and, and more. So we're really hoping that goes through because that will help feed um, the cultural districts in a really robust way. Yeah, I'm really happy that that's back on the ballot. I forget what the letter or of it is on on the November ballot, but here in San Francisco, um, because yeah, like like you said, there there was a uh, money from the hotel tax that was supposed to go to the arts for Correct. a very long time and then something it was a, like a california law kind of overrode it or something like that and it never got allocated especially because we went through that recession and mm-hmm. so you know they were just cannibalizing general fund just to you know scrambling but now that we're back on a thriving side of the economy the goal is to okay yeah now let's repurpose that money for what it was intended and more so let's make sure it never happens again because the arts bring a huge amount of revenue to San Francisco. It's very important from the symphony on down to the local community arts organizations. Yeah, and I feel like I, I work with a lot of international people who are here for you know anywhere from a few weeks to a few months at a time. And you know one of the things that they can appreciate just by going around without even necessarily having a destination is what they come across on, on you know, in, in our plazas, in our parks, right. um, those, those pictures that they take and take home with them of public art, um, you know, the murals in the mission, if they, if they make it to the mission, then everybody's in awe. Correct. So, uh, I'm excited to, to see what's going on in the Bayview. Yeah. So Bayview live is October 20th. October 20th from noon to 7. Um, it's an all-female lineup this year. Um, we're calling it Hella Chicks. It'll be really nice. We're going to have a health and wellness zone. We'll have kids' activities. Um, we're also going to have a skate park. Um, the block is massive. So when it's say when we say block party, it could hold thousands of people. It's, it's an industrial block. Because it's down on Egbert? It's on Egbert and 3rd Street, yes. Okay. And it's actually free right it is free all of my events are free except the bayview spark event which is burners however anyone from 94124 which is a bayview is allowed and free to any of my events very cool and so for bayview live it's free but people do need to register ahead of time for tickets online they do all right and for that we've got the um bayview live dot they can go to bayviewlive.com. Com, yeah. They can also visit imprintcity.org if they want to see all of our programs or be redirected to bayviewlive.com. Awesome. Um, and we have just a couple, we just have a couple more minutes. Um, so is there anything else that we didn't cover that you really want to get out there for now? I just want to say how proud I am of the, um, the culture district has a steering committee that has been working um, to really drive the narrative of what the ordinance should look like, the legislation. So we have like Auntie April's, April Spears, who just opened a second restaurant, baby, called Cafe Envy. It's, it's on Yosemite and 3rd. I encourage everyone to go out and patronize her. She's amazing. If you want breakfast, go to Auntie April's Chicken and Waffles. For dinner, go to Cafe Envy. Um, I also want to say, in addition to her, we have people like Megan Mitchell, who... Um, um, is rights for Hoodline. She's a part of that committee. So we have a lot of people that are volunteering their time and energy to make this happen. It's not just Imprint City in isolation. So I just want to shout them all out. Very cool. I feel like the it's community power that really makes things happen. So uh, this has been an inspiring afternoon with you, Tyra. I thank you so much for being here on Thanks Women's for Magazine. Me. Uh, I'm 
dude, this is great. Um, I'm inspired. And that's kind of what this show is about. I like to interview women who are changing the world and you certainly are changing the world and, and helping to change communities for the better. So I appreciate all your work that you do. Um, maybe right before we go, how about, um, what, how can we let's remind some artists about some of the opportunities that they might have out there either either to get involved with your group or just sure. in general like with the city uh, that that is offered out there that that people can tap into and help get their visions you know activated well um we're always looking for artists even if we don't have like our season ends with baby live but if you're interested in participating in our next year's season again go to imprint city imprint look at our programs kind of get a sense of where you would fit in or just send your information your visual art portfolios or your um, videos or your band or links to your um, spotify or soundcloud to info at imprintcity.org and we will definitely respond to you and provide you with feedback especially if you are in the Bayview Hunters Point neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tyra Fennell, you've been listening, if you're out there, you've been listening to Women's Magazine here on mutinyradio.fm. I'm Global Val. And remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like I want to reactivate a, a community and make sure that the people who live there are enjoying their lives and being a part of everything. Hey, inspiration is contagious. So peace. Thank you. And stay tuned. The Common Thread Collective is coming up next here on Mutiny Radio. You're welcome to come down and join us. Our mics, doors, and minds and hearts will be open for you. Thanks so much.